One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we grow the biographical garden of our guests' lives using the songs of their past as seeds. My guest is Matt Keller. Matt's mostly known as the lead pastor of Next Level Church, but he's also a writer, a podcaster, a leadership coach, and in full disclosure, Matt married my wife and me in 2008. Like a lot of people in Southwest Florida, Matt was born in the Midwest, Indiana to be specific. He moved here in 2002 when he founded the church. They started in a cafe and then a movie theater. Now there are three locations here in town. Matt lives with his wife, Sarah, sons, Will and Drew, and he's in the exclusive club of people who are on the original guest list for the show. He's a person I'm very excited to check off that list. Thanks so much for being here, Matt. Oh, man, I am so excited. So you you might be the busiest guy that I know, <laughs> and you always seem to be on the move. So my first question is, while, the, while I'm sure that you listen to music in the car or in a plane or in the background while you're working sure. at your desk, do you ever listen to music with the intent just to listen to it? Good question, um, I, which is what you're going for, going for the good question right out of the bat. I love it, Richard. <laughs> uh, so uh, the answer is yes, I do. Um, of course, in my you know line of work, I'm a pastor, as you mentioned there in the opener. And so you know a lot of the music I listen to uh, is worship music, you know, mm-hmm. music that we would play in our church, mm-hmm. you know, or sing in our church, that kind of a thing. So uh, that's a lot of where when I'm just listening to music for music's sake, that's for me. That's the kind of music I'm going to listen to. Of course, Christmas time. I love Christmas music. So you know that the Christmas time of year is always fun for me. But even beyond that, honestly, not a ton. Um, occasionally, you know, I think Taylor Swift's album there, you know, Shake It Off a couple years ago, that one got my attention. Uh, I had a country music streak about 14 years ago. Uh, so that was, that was a Keith Urban, you know, kind of hit me back <laughs> then. But other than that, not really. Okay. Um, what kind of music was heard around the house when you were a kid? Oh, man. When I was a kid, the music that hung around the house was the same as the poster that hung on the washing machine, and that is none other than Barry Manilow. Ah, <laughs> so my mom loved <laughs> Barry Manilow, okay. and and so then by virtue of that, so did I. And so you know, growing up to the song Mandy, mm-hmm. I write the songs. I mean, the, the instantly Barry Manilow, boom! I actually had the opportunity to take my mom to a Barry Manilow concert a few years ago, and he came here to Southwest Florida, and so I bought it. That was her Christmas present that Aww. year. I bought her tickets, so we had dinner great. together and took her and stuff. And then the other thing that was hanging around the house mm-hmm. uh, was Elvis. And so my brother was a huge Elvis fan. And so uh, musically, between Barry and Elvis, we kind of – we got it covered, man. So Blue Suede Shoes, Hound Dog. I actually won a lip sync contest in fourth grade. I got your fun story. Okay. Uh, the, so it, a lip sync contest in our choir in fourth grade, singing Hound Dog, uh, Pop the Collar, the whole deal – and absolutely slayed it and, and got first place blue ribbon for, uh, for you ain't nothing but a hound. So you were doing lip sync battles before Jimmy Fallon. Oh, my gosh. All day long. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Call me, Jimmy. What's up? <laughs> uh, you're a big Jimmy Fallon fan, too. I love yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Um, so outside of the house, um, what other songs do you remember from that era, maybe on the radio or on TV? 
Uh, good question. I mean, show me that smile again. Uh, don't waste another minute. Growing pains? Crying. Oh, yeah, man, pains? all day. So, so uh, because I was musical. I know every word to that theme song, by the way. Uh, uh, I'll take that dare. Let's, let's <laughs> hear you sing <laughs> okay. it, fellas. Do you know it? <laughs> show me that smile again. Oh, show me that smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying. You We're know we're near the end. end. Yeah. The best is ready to begin. As long as we got each other, we got the world spinning right in our hands, baby. Rain or shine, all the time. We got each other, sharing the laughter and love. Yes, the saxophone hook. So, you know, things like that, Saved by the Bell. I mean, so so you give me a facts of life. You take the good, you take the bad. You take them both, and there you have. The facts of life. I mean, so, so I got you, bro. So theme songs, I can play that all right day on. long. Right on. So uh, that, I mean, and then riding in my brother's car. He was three years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. I, I, was there like an influence there? He, there was certainly some Metallica back in those right days. Yeah. That Nick was That was into. one of my three songs. So, uh, so, yeah. So, so you know, a lot of that. And then just riding in the car with mom was Barry Manilow. Okay. Um, can you think of the earliest time when you were young that music moved you in a significant way? Like you remember, Mm. oh, wow, songs can do that. Sure. Well, uh, again, my mom was a piano teacher. Mm. And so from the earliest of age, you know, learning scales musically on the piano, we'd have to get up every morning for a half hour before school and practice piano. We had two pianos, one in the basement, one in the living room. So my brother and I, every other week would switch pianos and practice. So music was a part of my life all the way growing up from the youngest of age. Uh, And then in elementary school, you know, joined the choir, had a good singing voice. And so that kind of and then it was in fifth grade that I got cast as Winthrop in the Music Man, the musical The Music Man at our we're high gonna, school. We're going to talk about that. And uh, and so, you know, that really the, – the theater side of music and musicals, singing musicals really was, you know, something that then just started to shape me until uh, until I, I became a Christian uh, as a teenager. And then – and we can talk more about that later. But, you know, and then obviously church music then began to really shape me. Okay. Uh, do you still listen to any of the music from that era that you would consider? Or like your parents' music? Like, does any of that, did any of it rub off and it's now it's yours too? Or? Well, if you went to uh, my iTunes uh, mm-hmm. music folder right now, you definitely find uh, a good amount of Barry Manilow okay. in there, I have to admit, right. without a doubt. So, yes, for sure. What was the first music that you, that you, thought of as yours, Matt's music? Could have been something um, um, gifted to you or you found yourself? Yeah, good question. Uh, I I kind of came of age right when when cassette tapes were moving to CDs. Mm. So that was the exact same time, 15, 16 years of age, that I, I became Christian. And so as soon as faith entered my life, then all, uh, musically, a whole lot of my life swung that way in terms of music, songs with, with a message, music with a message, faith-filled. So Christian singers, contemporary Christian music. So everything kind of swung that. So, so for me, when I think about the first music that was mine, that would be Michael W. Smith. That would be Petra. Uh, that would be Carmen. Yeah. So, you know, oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. So, so you know, th- so I would say that was my music was okay. was once I became a Christian, you know. So that works right into your first song. Sure. Um, so what did you bring for your first song? So my first song uh, is, 
yes, Michael W. Smith, mm-hmm. a place in this world. And right. so uh, this is – do you want me to talk about it now or talk uh, about so it now? I'm going to let you decide. If you if you tell us a story now, then people get to hear the song with that context. Sure. Or you can listen, you can get teleported, and then you can tell it having been there. Uh, I'll, you, and you, I'll can take, pick, you can pick for each song. I'll take option B this first time. All right. So let's hear it. This is uh, Michael W. Smith's My Place in This World. It's off the 1990 album Go West, Young Man. Looking for through your head when you're listening to that song. <laughs> I am a senior in high school, uh, maybe after my junior year, summer of 93. And We're back in Indiana. Oh, back in Indiana, and I'm at youth camp. Mm-hmm. And so there was always a singing competition at youth camp every year. And that was the song I sang, and I can still – I could tell you the outfit. I had Z Cavaricis on. Do you remember those? It, you probably don't. You might be too young. <laughs> I bet I don't know Z, what they're called. Z Cavaricis were the pants that like had like the big flaps, like extra Oh, yeah, fabric. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. Well, I had my Z Cavaricis on and like this, like this purplish light blue dress shirt, and I'm on the stage singing that song in mm-hmm. front of 325 teenagers, okay. and I won. I ended up winning the singing competition that week. <laughs> but uh, so, place in this world has a special place in my heart. Yeah, uh, for that very reason. So, Michael W. Smith was huge, huge. In, the, in the '90s, especially right then around 1990. Um, I think that his music from that era is immediately recognizable as yeah. '90s music. It is, it's got a lot. Lot of 90s yes. elements. Um, do you listen to that song or other songs from that time nowadays, like anything from that era? Yeah, I, I think I, I mean, I do occasionally. Um, I'm kind of having a renaissance now that I kind of got the whole Apple Music thing. And my, mm. ki- my teenage boys are like, Dad, you can get like any song. And I'm like, what? So, yes, like the ability now to be able to go all the way back and grab Amy Grant, grab Michael W. Smith. You know, I haven't ventured to Carmen. I'm, I think I'm too scared. <laughs> but so someone like Michael W., man, it's just awesome. So I actually have a fun story about Michael sure. W. Smith. Yeah, Stephen Curtis yeah. Chapman, uh-huh. Amy Grant. So Sarah and I, my wife and I, were in uh, Nashville a year ago. And Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who anybody who knows Christian music in the 90s knows, they were the top three. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they built – for my generation, what is Christian contemporary Christian music? Mm-hmm. So um, they had not been on the same stage together in t- over twenty years, and we were at a, a, an event sponsored by Dave Ramsey, who's a financial yeah. guy. 
And Dave actually figured out a way to get those three. So we had a private concert with like me and Sarah, wow. Mark Batterson and Laura were hey, there, two of Mark. our friends. And uh, wow. and and just some of our so just a group of about forty pastors and their wives on the rooftop of this unbelievably cool building right next to the football stadium in downtown Nashville, and for the first time in twenty years, Michael Levy Smith, Amy Grant, and Stephen Curtis Chapman were on the roof doing just all of their you know friends are friends forever. I mean, just all of oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> like all of those songs yeah. that were quintessential. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Curtis started out this morning mm-hmm. in the usual way that uh, uh, this is the great oh, adventure. Wow. Yeah. So it was so cool to be like up close and personal outdoor. It was so cool. So anyway, that's kind of my Michael W. Amy Grant. Got a picture with Amy Grant, by the way. Very nice. Um, (laughs) Okay, so uh, Go West Young Men was a mainstream foray for Michael W. Smith, actually. A lot of people don't know this, but um, that song, My Place in This World, actually made it to number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Really? It was definitely getting attention outside of Christian audiences. Yep. How do you balance listening to worship music or even Christian artists to feed the spiritual part of you that loves music with maybe secular music that you might just also enjoy for the pure sake of enjoying music? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I think for me, there's there's a different purpose to it. I mean, so so again, I'm the guy that will dance at a wedding. You know, I'm I'm that guy uh, that loves to just have fun. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, so for me, music is just a a form of just joy and an in and enjoyment Mm -hmm. and fun um, and exuberance. And so just to be able to kind of be crazy and have fun like that is is I love that for music for music's sake. But on the other side of it, then obviously the spiritual component of that is, you know, when when there's a when there's a greater message inside of it mm-hmm. uh, of a song. I think for me that that touches a place in me that you know, some secular celebrate good times, cool in the gang never can. Got it. Um, now you mentioned that you had first heard that song performed live, like the first time you heard it. Yeah. Was that so? Um, was that your first concert? No, I got invited to a Carmen concert. Uh, He's showing up a lot. Oh my gosh! No, we're not going to sing okay. a Carmen right. song. We're not doing it. I know, right? Um, we're not doing <laughs> it. No, I'm not going to. Don't don't take me there. I'm not okay. going to go there. So, uh, so I went there. But yes, Michael W. opened for Amy Grant, mm-hmm. um, as I remember it, at the Fort Wayne War Memorial Coliseum, this okay. big basketball arena in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I was from. And so my brother and I, um, I think he had one of his girlfriends with him at the time. So there were four of us. I think maybe I had a girlfriend there too. Um, and so in high school, went to an Amy Grant concert and heard Michael W. And at first, you know, Michael W. Rocket Town mm-hmm. back in the day, some of his original stuff was very much like, yeah, yeah, who is this guy? Get on with Amy Grant, you know. Um, but then he very quickly, you know, came on par with Amy and just was became his own name. And so that was the first time. And then I remember that concert because every concert after that with Michael W. Man, he was my hero, man. I loved right. it. I wanted to be him. Yeah. What's the What's the furthest you've ever traveled to see live music? Oh man, um, it, not very far. I, I'm I'm not. I, I would I would go to Tampa to see Taylor Swift okay. or or Bono. Like I've always heard, U2 concerts are another level. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, well, I guess I went to Hillsong Conference in uh, Sydney, Australia. Yes, that's true. So I guess, but that's more of a conference. But they had we. I was a part of a live recording. They I was. They recorded the Young and Free album. Okay. And so me and my family got to be. You're part on of there that. somewhere. So I'm on there. I'm in the crowd. Baby. I'll listen. I'll listen so for it. You can hear me. Speaking of the boys, um, you know they're they're teenagers. Yep. Um, does a lot of their music find its way? 
or maybe force its way into your life? Not if I can help it, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I have great kids. My two teenage boys, Will and Drew, are just awesome. Um, they know words to every song. Like my wife has this gift where she can literally hear a song once and, once and sing all the words. Mm-hmm. Will and Drew kind of have that same thing about them. So we'll be somewhere walking through a store or something, and they'll hear a song. Like I have no idea. And of course, you know, Madden, their video games and Fortnite and all that, they all have music attached to right. them. Well, I don't hear any. That's all in their headphones. So Uh, actually, man, no, not a ton. And then when we're in my car, uh, they are not allowed to look at their phone. We talk like we we are we we do the family thing pretty intentionally around our Mm -hmm. house. So extemporaneous music kind of just doesn't really live a ton. No, it doesn't really bleed over into my world, believe it or not. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) uh, Have you tried to take them to any concerts or try to share with them any music? Uh, that they aren't familiar with from your past? Like, you try to feed them some Matt stuff? No, concert-wise, no, because, again, that's not really in our flow. Right. We're not huge concert goers. Um, but no, every once in a while, I'll whip out a, hey, come here, you got to hear this song. Mm. And they give you the, you know, the proverbial eye roll and away you go. Um, <laughs> and so so only if it, if I can use it to teach them something. You sure. Know, that, hey, I want you to hear this one line in here. Man, that line stuck with me for 25 years and here's the reason why. You know, as a teaching tool, absolutely, but okay. not very much after that. Uh, at Next Level Church, I remember when it started growing rapidly. Um, yeah. There was a lot made about how we had, uh, air quotes, loud music or <laughs> uh, rock band worship. Um, I played electric guitar there yes, at the time. Yes, by the way, you were the, one of the um, original electric guitar players. We we even used to give out earplugs for people yes, if, they, if they asked for them. Um, we had a little sign for them. You've spoken before about having electric guitars and drums and not a pipe organ sure. and um, and the decision there uh, that the church made. Could you mind sharing that, talking about that for a second? Yeah, yeah sure. First. Well, you know, for us, uh, in terms of strategy for Next Level Church, uh, we just really want to be relevant without compromising truth. And so, you know, when it comes to music, music is in and of itself, it's amoral. You know, it's not – it's neither – Good nor bad, whatever, right or wrong, and so for us, it's it's merely a, uh, in terms of it's just culturally relevant, and so you know anything we can do that's going to disarm people um, who come into one of our services that are are not familiar with church or have a preconceived idea of church that if they can walk in uh, and you know hear a song. Um, that that sounds familiar to them, or or hear a style of music that resonates with them. For example, our Christmas Eve services mm-hmm. that uh, just passed, um, we did a Bieber song. You know, um, sorry, I'm gonna stop. That's very impressive, Matt. But I'm gonna. So you you just did a cool production thing because you think that way. So people listening, we recorded this before <laughs> Christmas. It's Why are you week. telling our secrets, because, baby? Oh, because I'm gonna talk about it. So um, so if you're listening, this is before Christmas, but but Christmas is next week. So you'll hear this right after. So, so thank like, you, we, just like did, we just did at our Christmas Eve services, <laughs> we did a Justin Bieber song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where are you now that I need you? And so, you know, honestly, it, it goes with what I was talking about, which is, you know, man, when life gets turned upside down, where where is God and all of that? Mm-hmm. Where are you now when I need you, God, kind of thing. But honestly, the reason we did a little three-minute rendition of Bieber is because to the person who walks in who's not a regular churchgoer, that's going to be a song that they can recognize. So they may not know any of 
the other songs, but that one I knew, and we hope it'll disarm them. And so stylistically or even the music we choose, that's the hope is that it will disarm somebody. The walls come down. Hopefully they'll open their heart to a, to the message of love. Okay. Well, speaking of things that are kind of recognizable outside of church, sure. um, you're, we did a series uh, at the church a while back about the uh, title Joshua Tree, right? And yeah. I think it swings us into the second song, which is your second song, right? That's yes. from that album. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right. Uh, do you want to tell the story or do you want to listen and then do let's it? listen? Let's listen. This is uh, uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for by you two, off of the 1987 album Joshua Tree. So perfect. That is magical, isn't it? <laughs> so Matt Keller in the studio with some very, very nice harmonies If uh, in, during that song I got to enjoy. Oh, yeah. Um, where and when does the song take you? Uh, that song takes me back to the summer of 1992 mm-hmm. in the back of a coach bus riding on the Autobahn yeah. in Germany. And uh, we took a German club trip. Um, about 14 of my friends and I, and uh, it was Rattling Hum had just come out, Joshua Tree. So we had our Sony CD player Walkman mm-hmm. that we had with us. And my buddy Roger Dietz and I with The anti-skip and the bass boost. Oh, absolutely. You know the one. And so he and I sat in the back of that uh, bus, that tour bus, going all over Europe. We went to five countries in like 12 days. It was awesome. And that was the soundtrack of our entire Europe trip in 1990. So it's crazy, man. Listen to that song. And it almost sounds like they lose their way in the middle. Like mm-hmm. musically, they're like, oh, where are we at? And it kind of feels like they lose their way. And it's like, no, we haven't lost our way. It's awesome, man. <laughs> um, how long were you in Germany for that trip? Uh, we were. We did five countries. Uh, started in Paris for 12, uh, maybe 13 days. Flew out of Detroit. Um, and we're in Paris for a few days. Uh, got to be at the Tour de France the last day of the Tour de France that year. And so, like, literally my buddy and I cut down a banner off of, like, the big stanchions mm-hmm. on the side. Cut down a banner and brought it home. Like, so we were in Paris. Then we took an overnight train. Um, had my wallet stolen on an overnight train, believe it or not, out of my fanny pack. What's up? Yeah. And uh, and so had to go, like, to the embassy. And it was 1992. It so. was 1992. What's up? Uh, and so then we ended up in Luxembourg. 
Luxembourg, uh, Austria, Switzerland, and, and Deutschland. And so, man, it was it was a really cool trip. Uh, but uh, but you two and Bono were definitely the the soundtrack to that entire trip. Okay. Uh, do you still speak any German if you had to? Uh, Ein bisschen, which okay. means a little bit. <laughs> so no, I wish I'd have took Spanish, but it was a good trip. I, I heard that you are fluente. I am working on it for all of you <laughs> Spanish-speaking people out there. I apologize. Uh, fluente is what I say and said for a long time. And then finally some of my Spanish-speaking friends Don't were like, say you that. know that's actually like not the word. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How are you guys letting me say that? And they're like, no, it's fluido. And I'm like, you guys are jerks. What's the Spanish <laughs> word for jerks? So anyway, man, so I say fluente. Yeah. Um, Okay, so if the internet is to be, to be believed, Michael W. Smith and Bono are actually friends, and uh, they've that, collaborated. That would not surprise me. Yeah. What? They've collaborated on a Christmas album, so it's Christmas time. What? Um, it was okay, Christmas time. I was going to ask you if you've heard it, but your big what there no. makes me think. Yeah, so I'm going to – education time. Spirit of Christmas 2014, Amy Grant, Carrie Underwood, Lady Antebellum. Also, Bono. Bono, to be fair, he does like a vocal, like he he reads like a an Irish poem. I yeah, think. Yeah, but if Bono reads anything, it's awesome. It's pretty good. Um, so you, yeah, Spirit of Christmas, twenty fourteen. I know, I know what you're Man, gonna I've go been home. Living in a cave. Um, so I know you love Christmas music. I do. Um, what songs are Keller family traditions uh, in your house? Well, musically, my kids, I just can't get them to kind of embrace the old ones. But like right now on my, my iPhone is mm-hmm. like um, Frank Sinatra, like 50 songs of Frank Sinatra, Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Like Andy Williams, like I go way back, bro. Yeah. I go old school, 1950s kind of stuff. But I mean, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Um, I'll be home for Christmas and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. All songs that I wish I could croon. Like that's like in that moment, I want to be Michael Bublé. Everybody does. And I just want to sing those three songs. Like get me a give me some carols at the spinet. Like where is the baby grand? I all I want to do at Christmas time is sing. Like that's all. Of course, that's kind of all I want to do all the time. Anyway. <laughs> um, so you mentioned earlier that you got big into theater at a yeah. young age, and it kind of spoke to you. Um, and I knew that you had been in the Music Man before you mentioned it. And I, I the rumor is that you still know all the words to Trouble. Uh, well, you got trouble, my friend, <laughs> right here in River City with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. No, I know all you folks are the right kind of parents. I'm going to be perfectly frank. Do you want to know what kind of conversation goes on while they're loafing around that hall? They'll be trying out Bebo, trying out Cubats, trying out TaylorMade like a cigarette fiend and bragging all about how they're going to cover up a telltale breath with sense in one fine night. They leave the armories heading for a dance at the pool hall. Libertine men, scarlet women, and ragtime. Shameless music that'll grab your son, your daughter, in the arms of jungle animal influence, mass hysteria, friends, the auto brain is the devil's playground. Trouble. Oh, we got trouble. There you go. Oh, spectacular. <laughs> I'm so happy about you. that. You want to do 76 trombones, maybe another episode. Maybe with the music. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll do that as an the, Yes, there you go. Um, okay, so music obviously plays a huge role in theater. It does. Um, Certainly in that play, that's part of the theme. Um, Do you have a catalog of show tunes that are just like running in your head all the time? (laughs) I think I probably have a a catalog of a lot of things running Mm. in my head all the time. Um, Do you have have any favorite show tunes? 
Uh, well, I mean, Music Man was kind of the original. So the story with that, I was in fifth grade. I was Winthrop, the little boy. Mm-hmm. And then eight years later when I graduated from high school, my senior year, my choir director, I'd been in every musical for eight years. And then she did Music Man again, and I got to play Music Man. So I've actually been in that one twice, once as the little boy, once as Music Man, Harold Hill. So uh, Music Man's the original. I mean, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat is on my phone right now. I love Joseph. Wicked. You can't beat Wicked. Um, it's amazing. And then Les Mis has long – I saw Les Mis in Chicago in 92 and just uh, the the redemption story mm. in terms of, you know, what Victor Hugo wrote in terms of the gospel and salvation is just weaved throughout Les Mis. And so anyone who like sees the movie with Hugh Jackman and mm. doesn't get it – like I understand that Russell Crowe is a little off pitch, and but we all <laughs> forgive him for that because he's Russell Crowe and he's gladiator yeah. and he'll kill us. So between him and Wolverine, what are we going to do? do? What do you do? So uh, – but just the redemption – side of the messaging of Les Mis is just unbelievable for me. So I love Les Mis. Uh, so those are some of my top ones. Okay, And, uh, and then Newsies. Newsies. All, all the time, yeah. bro. Because uh, it's all the shows I think I want to star in. Like those are the ones that I'm like, I could do that in another life. I could have done it. <laughs> I could uh, do Joseph. There's a lot of jumping and dancing in, in Newsies. <laughs> I would have to be a little bit better <laughs> shape. Shut up. You're in good shape. Um, <laughs> so... Um, you and Sarah, also, she sings as well, very well. She does sing. And, and so do you. She does sing well. Does your family, just kind of around the house, do you, do you guys ever, do you ever sing together? No, I wish we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be that would be super cool. Um, I actually don't even have an instrument around my house right now. Really? Uh, yeah, I brought my guitar into the church a long time ago, and it kind of never made its way back. So I got at it. least we know. I've I think yeah, you know where it's at. So <laughs> uh, so I, I would like to at least we know where it is. Um, it's, no, not really. I mean, we will occasionally bust out in some kind of you know random church song that because my mother in law lives with us too, and so she sings alto as well. So yeah, we can get after. You just create a three part harmony. We do. The boys never absolutely, and if <laughs> they it, ever heard it. that we ever insinuated they did, they would be horrified. Okay. So, but definitely, you know, we we got a little lady antebellum going on with me, my wife, and my mother in law. So we can we can jam. Okay. Um, so speaking of the boys again and theater, um, I have seen Drew. Yeah. In two plays now because my daughter goes to the same school he does. That's true. Um, he was the Scarecrow yes. in Wizard of Oz last year. Yep. And this year they kind of did like a, a I don't know what to call it. Like yes, yeah, some kind it, of menagerie. Yeah, that's that's it's a good word for it. There's like a menagerie of short plays, short plays. scenes, and uh, and he was in one of those. Um, he was. He was Michael and Elf the Musical oh, the year before that, and okay. then he was Peter Pan. Okay, so okay, so so that's I was going to ask about this. The other two that I was there for uh, were not musicals. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the Wizard of Oz is. He didn't really sing in it, um, just a little bit. But but he was in Elf the Musical. Does he sing for the stage? Uh, he does. Yeah, and uh, again, I, I don't know that he's. He's not as outward and gregarious about it as I am, but I think that's just experience. He is very, very talented, has a very good voice. And so he was, he did, he played Peter Pan in mm-hmm. Peter Pan mm-hmm. at the school there a couple of years ago and and had a whole solo and the whole deal. So yeah, he sings for the stage and he's he is very talented. Mm-hmm. Um have you ever done karaoke? A couple of times. Yeah. What's the, what's your go to if you had to karaoke? Oh, live like you were dying. All day long because you got to hold it. 15 seconds is how long – 15 counts is how long he holds the note. And so the key is you got to get to the end. I went skydiving. And he goes all the way and he's like, die. 15 counts. Sure. And boom. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> every time. That's an easy I one. Did, right. I tried to sing a sting song on a ship one time, a cruise ship one time. 
And then I, it was only then that I realized how high of a song uh, Sting is. And I was like, yeah, never again. And Are, I did Sweet Caroline, okay. the year the Red oh, Sox won the, the World bum, Series. Bum. <laughs> and got the whole ship excited about Sweet Caroline. So. Okay. Um, okay, so speaking of baseball. Yeah. So baseball is a big deal for Matt Keller. Big deal for Matt Keller. Um, aside from Sweet Caroline, which you just mentioned, are there any musical memories tied to baseball for you? Well, I mean, take me out to the ball game. But, Harry yes. Carey, Chicago Cubs, you know, growing up, that was my life. Um, I, and then, of course, Go Cubs Go was, uh, was you know, growing up again. It was Go Cubs Go was kind of the theme song of the Cubbies. So, so that was good. And then, um, of course, being here in Southwest Florida, the Twins – Right before the Twins take the field at spring training games, they play the famous, you know, cheer for the Minnesota Twins today, <laughs> Minnesota Twins, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so, like, back in what, the 80s and 90s, like, yeah. all of the teams had to have, like, their own song. Like a jingle. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. No, it's oh, like, a, like a real song. song. Yeah. yeah. So, I think we need to bring that back. Mm. Bring that back. So, you're a big Rays fan. A big Tampa Bay Rays so fan. So, if you had to pick a song song for the Rays... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> there it <laughs> feels feels mildly from from someone who loves them. Yes, I absolutely love them. Okay. Absolutely. Um, all right. So on the topic of singing um, out loud, does that change? Sing when if you're by yourself. Is there anything that you sing you don't really sing around other people, but you like to? But you can belt out when you're by yourself just for fun. No, I think when I'm by myself, I just sing really loud. Like people would probably be amazed at like how loud I sing. Like I like to sing loud. Okay. All right. Um, let's move to your third song. What did you bring? I brought a song that is uh, actually a worship song mm -hmm. from an album called Passion 98. And it was from Passion Conference um, back one of the earliest ones, like the second year they ever did a Passion Conference, I think. And it's called Every Move I, Ma Every Move I Make. And I have um, this song. I'll to give you a little of the story in advance, listeners. Uh, this was the very first song that I ever sang and led in, in our church, Next Level Church. So when we started in the Bell Tower Movie Theaters here in Southwest Florida, uh, May the 12th, Mother's Day 2002, I was the worship leader. My wife sang with me. And I had my guitar. It was me, my guitar, and my wife. And this was the first song we ever sang and led at Next Level Church. So this song has a special place in my heart for that very reason. Which theater do you remember? Which theater other five. Okay, so we're in uh, Theater 5 at the Bell Tower Movie Theater. Matt and Sarah on the stage. Let's hear every move I make. Um, I think originally written by David Reese yep. Reese on Passion ninety eight.
good, man. So many memories. So here's so here's a little known fact. So back in the day, my oldest son Will, who's now 18 years old, senior in high school, about to graduate, when he was three years old um, and really younger than that, he would crawl into our kitchen. Um, so yeah, he was probably less than two. Crawl into our kitchen, pull out pots and pans, and get out wood spoons, and would play drums and just nonstop. So it's like uh, a Norman Rockwell painting. Oh yeah. So like we literally <laughs> bought him like this little bitty kitty drum set, or he got one for his grand from his grandparents for Christmas, whatever. And so he could play that beat at three mm. years old. We would be in the movie yeah. theater, and he would watch our drummer, and he would do that with him, and then he'd go home, and he'd go three years old he and I would jam and I would sing that whole song and he would play keep a steady beat the whole way through he and I could jam that song I love I love that you didn't know that story I didn't know that story I got you yeah that's a good one that's a great one that's Um, crazy isn't it yeah three years old man we used to jam it's got the rhythm Um, rhythm. do you ever miss singing on stage I do, man. I miss it a lot. Uh, actually, in the last couple of years, it's been a renaissance for me of just even just kind of doing some experiential moments in our church and stuff and just being able to kind of come out and close out services and stuff, you know, be able to sing over people. And um, I don't miss le- – I don't I, – I'm a good worship leader. I'm just not a very good musician. And like – so I don't like to practice. I don't like to learn new chords. Like that part of it for me that like that – the technical side of playing a guitar mm-hmm. was never fun for me. Like I have in-laws that are musicians and can get lost for eight hours at Christmas in the basement on their guitar like mm. they love it that's not me That I never was that I like l- singing and leading people into the presence of God through worship and music and so um, I, that part of it I miss um, and I actually so it's been good the last couple of years to kind of renaissance a little bit I'll probably try and renaissance even a little bit more I don't think I'll ever play just because it's not necessary but I definitely love to sing man I really love I really love to sing how do you describe going from basically doing everything including the singing and the playing with you and Sarah to for for like thirty people, All right? To three locations and uh, how how many thousand would you say? Three thousand people, 3, people on a weekend. On a weekend. Sure. So, um, and I don't mean that from a from a leadership perspective. I just sure. mean you know, like you were doing everything. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, and you know, in the early days when it's small like that, it's it is you do kind of do everything. Um, and there's seasons for that, you know, just like anything in our life, there's seasons for it. Uh, and so that was a season for for Matt and Sarah to be the worship leaders. But I knew here's honestly, man, here's the decision I had to make. And I've had to make this decision in, in every area of our church through the last 17 years. Uh, and that is I knew that in order for our church to go where it needed to go, my, the the gift I needed to focus on and grow was the gift of leadership not the gift of musicality and singing. And so, you know, that was a very conscious decision for me after the first year Mm -hmm. to say, if I got to do one or the other, in order for us to go where we have the potential to go, I know that I have to lead and not sing. And so, you know, that was a a very conscious decision for me to make. Um, And it's the right decision. It continues to be. And so, you know, even now there's areas of things that I was just having a conversation with someone and I said, man, back in the day, like my creative mind used to love shooting videos, you know, and and doing videos for our church and whatever and be kind of go out with no script and just kind of create it up on the fly. And, um, and you know, so so I don't get to do that anymore. We have people who write scripts and they just kind of show me where to go and teleprompter and away you go. And I just kind of say my lines. And so, you know, so the, it, with every turn of that, you have to mourn the season that was and be thankful for it. And but then embrace the new season that is, you know, because we can't get where we're supposed to go. Uh, if I'm still holding on to things in the past. And so that's a conscious decision we have to make as we mature and grow. Right on. Uh, did you find it difficult to pick 
three songs for this show? Yeah, I mean, because I love music. And so I think for me, it was even more than picking the song, it was picking the memory. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's the – there's so many – I mean, if I had picked a theater song, picked a Christmas song, picked a uh, some other Christmas, Christian song or worship song, each one of those songs is going to bring back a different memory of a different season of my life. Mm-hmm. So so even more than picking the music is picking the memory. Uh, what What song almost made it? <laughs> um. Man, I, I can't even remember. Uh, I mean, probably I don't. I'll give you a show tune. I mean, you know, a Music Man song or something like that okay. uh, would have would have almost made it. And Carmen, we have to give him credit, bro. He's somewhere right now. <laughs> okay, we so since give him credit. since you're not allowed to to mention the to, to use the song as your song, what did you and Sarah dance to? Uh, we danced to um, "Mirror Has Two Faces." Uh, that was. Um, the song from that well that was the movie and it was uh, Barbara Streisand ba da 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 that was um the the oh uh finally found someone swept me off my feet it was that song i finally found the one to be with every night i finally found the one that one that's the song that's the song we danced to um can you and we sang to each other at our wedding by the way of course you did. <laughs> of course we did. So you mentioned people probably the people in my normal world right now probably have no idea how musical I actually am. That's fair. Yeah, I guess it's true because I've seen you so many years doing it. But yeah, yeah. I guess I mean, it's true. People. Yeah. When's the last time you bought music that had a physical form? Um. Well, we bought the Wicked CD. That was our fifteenth wedding anniversary, and we're twenty-two, so seven years ago. Um, bought that CD. I don't do the vinyl thing. Like that's I don't have a record player. I'm good. <laughs> um, I get it, but I don't. Sure. I don't have one. Did, uh, you you were you were kind of going through adolescence when uh, tapes were on their way out and CDs were on their way yeah. in. Did you ever make mixed CDs for Sarah? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. So I, and I had a couple of mixed tapes. Sure. So my first car was in 1987 Camaro. And I had a, ta- a cassette tape. And so I had the, the, the tape adapter for my Sony CD player, Walkman, you know. And so – but so I had a few tapes, but – and I made a few mixed tapes. But then um, it was very quickly CDs. Yeah, mixed CDs. Oh, yeah. How did she take them? Richard Marks, by the way. That was, Richard Marks. Okay. That, was, that was our song, Right Here Waiting for You. Okay. Because she broke my heart and went off to camp and I didn't have a girlfriend. And I said, I'll be right here waiting for you. Dedicated it to her. True story, baby. That one almost like it made it. That, that one, one, that one almost made the three list. Okay, that's. It looks like it worked. <laughs> it worked so far, so good. Twenty-two years in. Uh, can you recommend any bands you think uh, most listeners might not be familiar with um, that you think deserve some attention, and uh, maybe compare them to a band that people might know? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I can compare them. I just don't know that that much secular music, man. <laughs> I just have to admit. That's right. Um, I, I mean, for me, it's all worship now. Uh, you know, so, so oh, that's Hill, cool. Hillsong Young and Free is awesome. Um, you know, uh, Highlands worship. So I mean, I'm gonna live in kind of that zone, of course, of worship stuff. So in terms of comparing it, I don't really know. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know music. Do you have a favorite band of all time? Uh, does Air Supply count? <laughs> yes, that air, the air <laughs> event. Oh, bro. Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah. No, uh, probably not. I mean, band, I mean, Petra was the classics, you know. So again, once I, once I received the Lord as a 15, 16 years of age, 
musically, it just went all that direction. Like mm-hmm. I just went straight up Christian music. So I, there's whole, you know, I just don't blues traveler and Coldplay. Like I just don't mm-hmm. know them because I, I went church music. So except for Taylor Swift. Uh, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about yeah. that. Um, and I can do a killer lip sync battle to shake it off. Uh, of so course you can. Bring it on Fallon. Um, are there any songs for you that have a memory association that require you to avoid the song that you turn off when you hear uh, it? Or... Good question. Um, well, I, when I broke up with Sarah in high school, so some people don't know that story. So there was a few month period of time there we broke up and, uh, and that's when she got into country music. So like Randy Travis country mm-hmm. music. So there's probably some Randy Travis songs that are off limits only because they would bring up connotations for her that I broke her heart. So I would definitely be staying away from that. Although Meet Me Under the Mistletoe, Midnight Christmas Eve. But it's was, a Christmas song. We got back together on Christmas Eve and we were going to a Presbyterian church at 11 o'clock. So we weren't going to be able to be there on midnight. And so I brought her TCBY yogurt. I said I was sorry. <laughs> And apologized. She took me back and I said uh, – there was mistletoe at her house. And I said, babe, I, this is as close to midnight Christmas Eve as we're going to get. And we kissed under the mistletoe like at 830. So that's kind of that's a like story. a Hallmark Christmas movie. I got you, bro. I got stories. Dude. I can right. tell stories. OK. Uh, well, you've told some great ones. Um, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts about, about this whole experience? No, show? this is super fun, man. It's because it takes you down memory lane. I mean it really is true. Kind of the theme of the show is just that our life is has a sound track every life has a soundtrack and so thank you thanks for the opportunity man this is super fun i'm so glad you came and did it um i wanted to kind of let you know something you once paid me what i think is the best compliment i ever got uh and i don't know if i ever told you before so i'm going to tell you now when when you used to come out to the fgcu campus and you taught small groups we would end up hanging outside chatting and one night while we were there, kind of just on your way away, you said, you know, Richard, the more I get to know you, the more I like you. Mm-hmm. And I think after all of this, uh, I would be remiss not to return the sentiment, Matt. Mm. So thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I'm glad you feel that way. We make these song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. The show's co-creator and producer is Mike Canary. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studios in St. Pete, Florida. All this talk about 90s Christian bands had me flipping through my old car CD cases looking for a parting tune that I could almost hear in my head, but I just couldn't quite remember. I ended up having to Google a bunch of different bands and songs until I found it. The band was called Seven Day Jesus, and their 1998 album was the same name, and the name of the song was Butterfly, and I can remember riding to school almost every day for a long stretch with my mom in her Oldsmobile Cutlass with my best friend John Lamb as we uh, kind of did our best to rock out to what was available to us. The song is very 90s. It's exactly how I remember it. If you ask me, it's aged incredibly well, but then I'm probably biased because the nostalgia is frankly overwhelming when I listen to it. I can see myself and feel myself in the car. So this is uh, Seven Day Jesus, Butterfly. 
I'm Richard Chinqui. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. And I used to ski with this song, let's ski? say. Ski? Yeah. Like snow ski? Yeah. Like people would have techno and all that. And I used to have Sharam Nazari in my ear and it would make fun of me. Where would you have been skiing? In Tehran. Okay, let's say. I didn't know they had skiing. Oh, uh, no. We have camels by our house. We put our skis on our camels. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. <laughs>